Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems, too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this, you're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. 
Before we start today's episode, I want to bring you up to speed on our annual event, The Instigator Experience. We're less than 30 days away from applications opening up. There are only 60 spots, so make sure you get on the pre-launch list. Text the word INSTIGATE, all lowercase, to the number 38470. That's INSTIGATE to the number 38470. Now, let's get into what today's episode is about. In this episode, I catch up with Noah Kagan, who talks to me all about creating what we want to see exist in the world, building AppSumo, and being employee number 40 at Facebook. Noah, welcome to The Unmistakable Creative. Thanks for taking the time to join us. It's a miracle. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for having me. You're a... Definitely persistent, which is a good trade. Yeah, well, I, I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I have, you know, heard about you and uh, come across your work by way of numerous people, many of who have been former guests here on the show. And we've also had a lot of requests for you from our listeners. So on, on that note, can you tell us uh, a bit about your story, your journey, uh, your background and how that has brought you to uh, what you're up to and, and where you're at in the world today? Yeah, man. Uh it's interesting. I, I graduated college as a cubicle monkey and that wasn't what I aspired to do. I was always like, Oh man, it'd be like, my dad was a copier salesman. He like went, you know, to local businesses and sold copiers, came from Israel. And, uh, I always thought I would do something similar. I hopefully not selling copiers and fax machines, but I ended up in a cubicle at Intel doing pretty much nothing for about a year and a half. Uh, but I was always making websites in my spare time. And I kind of just kept, you know, at, at Intel, I was like, man, I'm just going to keep doing the things that are interesting and fun for me. Like, I wanted to meet other people, so I started coordinating events. Like, I created a Entrepreneur of 27 back in the day where it was like, I just want to meet other entrepreneurs doing things. Mm-hmm. So I was always making websites and connecting people, and then I submitted my resume to Facebook, and that was really early on. Uh, and then ultimately over the past, I don't know, it's been about 10 years now, uh, just kind of kept building businesses or working on products that I was just like, man, this is the coolest thing that I can imagine being a part of. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's kind of what got me today where I now run AppSumo.com, which is a free newsletter for entrepreneurs, and our main product, which is SumoMe.com, which you're using, uh, which is all the it's free tools to get more website traffic. So it's basically everything that we've been using and building internally to grow our business. Well, let's do this. I, I want to go back uh, even further than sort of, you know, college and the cubicle monkey. I, you know, I mean, I, I think it's interesting you brought up, uh, you know, growing up in an immigrant family. And I'm always really curious how uh, the culture that we've grown up in influences, you know, our worldview, uh, the kinds of things that we do. I mean, I grew up in an immigrant family and I had pretty much, you know, sort of a very similar sort of mindset of, OK, become a cubicle monkey, partially because that's what I was you know, trained to do, uh, as a byproduct of the environment that I was brought in. So I'm very curious about some of those cultural influences and, you know, what kinds of, um, things as a child influence this desire to create websites and just to create in general. I mean, you know, it's funny. I'll tell you a story from last weekend. I went to a football game with my stepdad or let me even give you a better one. So we're, we're at this, uh, we're drinking, we're in New Orleans about to go into a restaurant. We're drinking daiquiris outside, you know, just getting a little buzz. And I brought my stepdad with me. Um, and this is just kind of relating to how I grew up and, and kind of an immigrant and an older school mentality. And so we're about to go in the restaurant and the restaurant says, hey, you've got to throw away the drink. And I'm like, sure, throw it away. We'll buy more. And my stepdad's like, no way. I'm going to drink all of it. I don't want to waste it. And... Uh, <laughs> I think it's it's kind of interesting just mentalities of like our parents' generation and what we're kind of conditioned around where my mom and stepdad, uh, when I was growing up, a lot of the mentality is like saving and protecting and very risk-free mm-hmm. type of lifestyle. And everything is about how do I save more or just basically not grow things but kind of protect what I'm, what I'm owning because I grew up with their parents in the Depression era. Um, my father, on the other hand, came from Israel and I, I don't know – You know, if it's at his naivety, which I think is one of the greatest traits of a lot of people, he just didn't know what he couldn't do. Hmm. And so he came not speaking English, not with with really any money, uh, didn't go to college. And he just realized that, like, he was really good talking with people and started doing that in Sears. He was a a carpet salesman. Um, And so his mentality was just, and I think this is where I got it from, he was never afraid to ask for things. Mm -hmm. Like, we would go to Carl's Jr. and... um, like Carl's Jr., he would buy a hamburger and he would just take the cheese from the salad bar and make it a cheeseburger to save the money. Or uh, we would, I remember some of my favorite stories with my dad, we would go to, um, we were at a garage sale and my dad would, someone else was buying something and my dad didn't even want it. I think he just liked competing. And so he told the guy who was at the garage sale, like, I'll pay $10 more than that guy. And, and my, the other guy's like, what are you talking about? I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll buy it for more. And uh, the guy was like, uh, fine. And, uh, after the guy left, my dad said, all right, I'll pay the price he was paying. 
And I know I was so embarrassed. And, uh, but I think, it, you know, kind of growing up with both parents, both have taught me a lot. And I think my dad was like, you know, he just was never afraid to ask for things. And I think that's one of the most fundamental things you're doing in business. You're putting yourself out there and asking, you know, someone to give you money for some service or product that you're creating. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a, you know, kind of a great skill. And, you know, I think with my parents, it's my mom and stepdad, it, it's been interesting to see kind of what I don't really want to be like. And it, they have many great things I want to be like, which is disciplined and organized, uh, which my dad wasn't. But my stepparents or my mom and stepdad, um, much more of a conservative lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. Someone's car horn. no, horns honking outside. Uh, but it's just it was interesting. I think I kind of grew up in the middle because my stepdad's an engineer. My dad's a sales guy. And I kind of grew up in the middle doing really um, doing kind of more marketing and sales around technology. Hmm. So l- let me ask you this, you know, I-, I think it's interesting that you-, you brought up sort of this cultural conditioning of, you know, saving, uh, you know, protecting what you have. And I don't think that that you're an outlier in that I think most of us uh, have been brought up with that kind of cultural conditioning, depending on our age range. Uh, and, you know, I'm really curious, are there ways that we can start to basically break out of that cultural conditioning and conformity uh, without making sort of these gargantuan leaps, like, you know, selling all your shit and quitting your job and the kinds of things that get perpetuated by, uh, you know, the mantra of the internet. Yeah. I mean, I think it's easy when you're already there like me, like I've already done a lot of, you know, a decent amount of stuff and I have a decent network and I have a mailing list and people that that are kind of listening to me. But like, what if you're in Missouri Mm -hmm. and you don't have access to that? And what if every one of your friends, like when I was in college, every one of my friends was going to work in consulting or banking or accounting, and so for me to try to start a business, I was actually a little too intimidated. So I was like, I guess I have to get a job because everybody else is getting a job. Um, so I think the, the con- in terms of the conditioning, here's the things I would recommend, which is one, do things where there's no risk or there's not as much capital expenditures. Mm-hmm. So for me, my, when I was at Intel, I told my mom I'm quitting to go to Facebook. And they're like, you are retarded. And, um, and I think when I said, like, hey, I'm getting paid more money, they're like, you are smart. Mm-hmm. And, you know, funny enough, a month later, Intel fired 10,000 people. And so the, the point that I'm trying to make is that even with starting my own business, my parents were, you know, they're like, they're, they want to protect me. But once I started showing them paychecks, they were like, man, that's a really good thing. Um, so I think what I would say is that if people are conditioned and not comfortable doing something big or starting their own kind of what they want to do professionally, try to figure out how they can do smaller pieces of it and build it up over time. Mm-hmm. Most of my businesses have taken about a year to actually start making even noticeable money. The second thing that I would say for people, so one, number one, do risk minimization. So try to start something really small and build it up so that it's not much of a bigger jump. And the second thing is peer group. Um, I hung out with everyone who was trying to do more traditional jobs, and that's what a lot of people surround themselves with in their local areas. So try to reach out online or reach out and spend time with the people who are doing the things that you want to be doing. Like today, I, um, I'm trying to figure out how to grow my business. So I had lunch with an investor and a guy who's grown a business to like 40 or 50 employees. Mm-hmm. So I want to be at that level. And so I'm trying to spend time talking and being around more people like that. And so I think those are kind of the two bigger things that, that really helped me, which was regret minimization or risk minimization um, and starting small. And then secondly, just being around the people that are already doing that. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting you bring that up because we had Nolan Bushnell, founder of Atari here, and I remember him very distinctly saying, he's like, you get a lot of these kids right out of college and they want to create the next Facebook. And he said, you know, if you have to raise investor money for your first business, it's too big. He said, you should be able to do it without any help. He said, that's, you need a risk that's that small because each one kind of builds on the next one. Yeah, I would. I mean, it's funny. You think about what's significant and what people, what their meaning or what's their purpose of what they want to work on. And you can even think of Facebook as like, uh, so I can hook up with girls. It sounds so stupid. Or even Twitter. Like, so I remember when I first saw Twitter, I was like, all right, so when I'm on the toilet, I can tell people that I'm on a toilet. Uh, and then now, you know, five years later, or 10 years later, I don't know how long it's like they're, it's saving countries and uniting, you know, uh, information that wasn't available before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think what, that's what a common mistake that most people that are trying to start businesses are, is that they neglect that most big things or every big thing starts small. Mm. That's the one thing I think most people kind of forget is that they're like, oh, I've got to do this big thing. Like someone was emailing me yesterday and I want to do one more point about this, but uh, someone was emailing me yesterday saying, I want to do a conference and a workshop and I want to bring all these people to it. And I'm like, well, have you sold one ticket? Mm -hmm. Have you found one person uh, that wants to do the workshop? And she's like, no, but I need to do all this stuff. And I was like, no, just go get one, start with something and get that momentum building up. The second thing I think that um, I'm noticing from a lot of people is that no one, that's not 
running a business sucks. <laughs> there's days where like, you know, yesterday we made five figures. There's days where I make, you know, three figures. That's hundreds. Um, and so it's definitely an emotional roller coaster. And the point I really want everyone to really consider and think about is what do you really want to be doing? And it does, it's not a bad to be an employee. If you're an employee of a cool company and you love your teammates and you love the work you get to do every day, that's great. Mm-hmm. But it's basically everyone taking the time to understand what they want to be working on and then going and doing that. Being a part of a company, a nonprofit, I never really care for anybody else. I just want them to do what they really want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's interesting you mentioned sort of going and getting one person. And I, I th- that really describes in a lot of ways the process behind how our first event came together. Uh, the instigator experience. So straight up shameless plug for this, but I literally all oh, I wait. did was create a landing page that said the instigator experience. I wrote some copy and I said, enter your email address if you're interested. And for six months, it was basically, you you know, each step kept revealing the next one until next thing you know, in December, we have an event that's, you know, 60 people and sold out. That's, I mean, that's the funny thing, man. Like I did a conference back in the day and, I, and this is a, a tip I'll tell anyone if you're ever trying to get known or you want to be thought of as an expert, become the hub for people. <laughs> become the hub for people. The more that you're the hub of connecting people and bringing people together, the more they like you and the more they look at you as an expert in whatever field that is. Um, so I never put on a conference, but I was like, I think it would be fucking great to put on a conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I just made a conference I wanted to go to. And it turned out at the end of it, I actually made $50,000. Wow. And I was able, and it's on okdork.com if you want to read exactly how, how to put on your own conference. And I was able to connect with like Max Levchin of PayPal, James Hong from Hot or Not, the guys from Suicide Girls, like a ton of people uh, just from kind of being naive like my dad was and just asking like, hey, do you want to come to my conference and mm-hmm. just doing it myself and getting things, you know, just doing it. You know, I'm really glad you brought up that, that whole idea of your dad because that actually made a perfect setup for this next question uh, about, you know, being in that place where you don't know what you can't do. Uh, so really two questions. One is, is how you get back to that and, and connect with that, because I feel like that is where infinite possibility opens up. And on the flip side of that, what's interesting is once you get a result from embracing that mindset, you suddenly feel like you have something to lose. And I only know this from personal experience. So I'm curious uh, how you maintain that uh, as you become more and more successful. Um, yeah, that's something I've struggled with. I mean, as a company, like with AppSumo, we've grown to seven figures with doing the newsletter. And then we pulled back because uh, we're, there wasn't as many good deals. And then we started a course to do to show people how we started AppSumo. And that's done well. But we realized it's not going to grow us to a larger size. And it can only help so many people. And that's where we created SumoMe.com. Um, and so I think it, the way that I look at it is kind of like a step function. So like, what can you keep learning as you're going through a process? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the most common thing that people just need to keep reminding themselves of is 80-20, which fucking, it's kind of annoying and cliche because we all know it. But one of the number one things I see in every business is they stop doing what, what gets them successful. Right. So, you know, and it's funny. In the beginning, you'll hear a lot of bloggers like, I emailed every single person who subscribed to my newsletter. And then they get a thousand people and they're like, yep, I'm not going to respond to anyone anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, people stop engaging. People stop responding as much. And so I think you have to figure out where's that balance of doing what's working. Mm-hmm. And I was also spending a little bit of time trying new things out. One of the things that people have to consider, though, is that if you do old stuff that works and, you know, it may stop working over time. It's like staying on the Titanic when it's sinking. Sometimes you need to jump ship and move into a new boat. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the thing that most people probably struggle with, not necessarily in getting successful, is just like overcoming their fear of starting and overcoming the fear or like hesitation of doing things. Um, That was kind of surprising as I was helping people start businesses. And I think I've helped thousands uh, start businesses, and I've started a few successful ones myself. Not not arrogantly, I've just done it. Um, and so I, I can give a few things that people can do right now to overcome their fear of doing things. Yeah, absolutely. Let's do that. Um, so things for me that failuregames.com. It's a it's a free app. There's no sales in it. It's just basically a daily challenge for you to overcome fear. Strangerchallenge.com. It's basically you have to go up and meet random strangers and take a photo with them, uh, and then just kind of pushing yourself. So. I think what, what I'm trying to do, is it Sri or how do you properly Srini. pronounce it? Sri? Srini. Srina? Srini. 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 Um, what, I do to myself, what I do for myself is basically keep myself in check by saying, all right, well, what have I been doing that's working? And then keep making sure I keep doing it and going back to it. And I can talk about what I'm doing with Sumi. And then always kind of pushing myself to feel a little uncomfortable. And what I mean by that is think about it as a gym for, for your life. Like if anybody's listening goes to the gym or works out in any capacity, if you go to the gym and lift 10 pounds today and then next week and next month and next year, 
you're going to be like, oh, I know, no, it's stupid. Nothing's going to change. And I think that's the point that people kind of don't do for their own life, which if you lift the same weight, nothing changes. It's when you start pushing yourself and doing new weights and heavier weights and maybe a little more new routines that you actually start seeing some change in your body. And that's very true. I've noticed for business and in my personal life. Mm-hmm. So like I kind of keep pushing myself professionally, like to learn new things that are stimulating while I keep doing things that are working. So right now I'm trying to do recruiting, which is fucking hard for me. And I've never really done it well, I'd say, besides, you know, the few of the guys we've hired that are awesome. But that's really challenging me. And then I go back sometimes and I do marketing because that's stuff that, you know, I do really well and it's fun. One thing that people can do to push themselves is I, I call it the newspaper challenge, which is at airports, I go up and I try to ask people to read their newspapers. Mm-hmm. And it's really uncomfortable because most people are like, you, so you want my newspaper that I paid for? I'm like, yes please. <laughs> and, uh, it's just kind of a good way of pushing me outside my comfort zone. And then when you kind of do these challenges, uh, you kind of realize like, wow, I can do a lot more. Mm-hmm. And so to your question, you said, well, how do you not, it's like, how do you not lose what you've created? Right. So I think to do that, it's like, you kind of have to invest to protect yourself. So like, how do I make sure that this is, there's insurance on it? And then how do I also make sure though, that I keep pushing myself? Cause when you're on your edge and doing things in the beginning, that's what gets you to growth. But you stop doing that as you grow because you don't want to be offensive and you want to go to the middle because mm-hmm. uh, it's safer that way. You get people complaining. Uh, so what I would say overall, like at AppSumo, we used to write insane emails that were like really funny about kidnapping and pillaging and all this shit. And then people out over time are like, I don't like swear words. I don't like this. And eventually you just kind of conform to boring and then you go to oblivion. Uh, and so I think you have to remind yourself uh, and have some kind of like checks and balances of like, all right, these are the things that always work. Let's not give these up. And here are the few new things we're willing to try and then kind of move the ones that when you try them, move them over to something you kind of continually do. Yeah. You know, it's funny. So I'll, I'll reference two things that I've heard. One was Tucker, uh, who we just had here recently, Tucker Max, for those of you guys who haven't heard that yet, definitely worth listening to. He talked about how comfort is the enemy of ambition. And then, you know, I, I like what you said about the edge and, and Seth Godin has said this. He's like, the edges where remarkable lies. And, you know, most of us end up catering to the lowest common denominator, uh, for, for exactly the reason you're talking about. We get scared to try things that are really risky. So, for example, we had a guy here uh, after, you know, a lot of people who listened to Glenn Beck ended up becoming subscribers to the show. I had the audacity to put out an interview with a guy who wrote a comedic translation of the Bible just because I because I found it interesting. Yeah, man. I mean, it's kind of like it's interesting. You think about like Seinfeld, right? Like mm-hmm. this guy is pushing the limits. And then when he's at the top of it, he's like, yo, peace out. Yeah. And I, and I think the two things, I'll give you a book that I would reference, but the thing that I kind of keep coming back to is like exploring the fun zone for mm-hmm. myself. And I kind of keep coming back to like, what are the things like, so I've seen started because I just wanted to promote cool products and I didn't want to pay full price. And I mean, that's what I was doing. And like monthly1k.com, our course, I was kind of tired of helping people start businesses. So I'm like, well, if you really want help, do this. Uh, or sumome.com, I'm like, man, everyone sucks at marketing. What if we provided the tool that everyone could use for marketing? Uh, and so I kind of think you have to keep coming back to the things you're curious about and fun and then go explore those. Uh, and that's kind of the way that you'll kind of stay naive almost. And those are the things that'll help you keep growing. Mm-hmm. Um, like one thing for me is like when I started at Facebook, there's a lot of people like, that's so stupid. That's the stupidest thing. You know, like the funny story was like uh, when we had our build our office, we had two floors and we shared the second floor. And there's this old Chinese guy who ran a trading fund. And he said to me, he's like, what's Facebook? So it's like a white pages. That's so stupid. Uh, and then two months later, we took over the rest of his space. <laughs> and so I think the point that I was trying to make is that you have to stay naive and uh, humble enough to be open to why is Snapchat working? Right. Why are people using Instagram? Why is drones or 3D printing cool? And then just being curious. And so basically, I guess the attribute is like curious and humble and naive to actually be open-minded to new things that'll, that could ruin you or you know, take over in the future if you're not uh, aware of them. Yeah. The other thing that, that's really impacted me like in a huge point lately is a book called Essentialism. I don't know if you've read it or heard of it, mm-hmm. um, but the thing for me, why it's been so like insanely life-changing is that it's really about like what are the things that are actually essential, mm-hmm. and that's true for all different aspects of your life. So with your business, for me, I'm like, this is what, even with your interview, I pushed you back two weeks, and I've canceled meetings in the past few weeks, and I've basically stopped seeing certain people, or if they want to have lunch, I say no, or if they want to have coffee, I make them meet, and it's relevant, I'll make them meet closer to me. Um, because I realized like what's essential for me professionally in my business is I need to do recruiting. I want to hire really amazing people to help us grow sumome.com. And every time everything else outside of that is not essential. And so I've been cutting that. 
And I think that's kind of, that ties back to how do I keep being successful is just really thinking about, all right, well, what's the most essential thing I could be doing? What is the most essential thing I should be spending my time on? And looking at my calendar and seeing if that reflects it. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't, then changing my calendar to do that. So even talking with you, I asked you to install sumumi.com, which you gracefully did. And so I was like, all right, cool, man. This guy respected my time and he's helping me with my essential priority. And so I'm going to go uh, do this chat with you. Mm-hmm. And my essential priority is consistently finding people like you. And that's all you should be doing, man. I think it's funny because I told my mom about priorities and essentialism. I said, Mom, I'm reading this book. It's so good. And she's like, well, everything is essential, Noah. I'm like, oh, fuck, Mom. That's why you're you know, <laughs> worth an employee for uh, 15 to 20 years. Yeah. Right? And that's great. Not everyone should be running a business. But uh, it was just interesting that she had defaulted uh, that it's, there's a lot of priorities. Because generally, a priority is it should be a priority. Uh, and I was reading, you know, that's what we did at Facebook. That's what I was reading. Peter, Peter Thiel did at PayPal. Mm-hmm. And that's what we've been doing at AppSumo.com for the past four years. And it's worked out pretty well for us. So let me ask you this, and then we'll kind of get into another uh, question. Yeah, hit me, man. One of the things that I'm, I'm really curious about, do you think that there's something that separates the people who overcome the fear of starting from the ones who don't? Because... I mean, I feel like I see so many people standing on the edge of the starting line and, you know, and I, I'm thinking about this from a workshop that I sat in where a lot of, you know, aspiring writers asked questions. And when I listened to every question, I thought every one of these is just an excuse for not writing. Just put your pen on a piece of paper and move your hands. So why are they actually not writing? Yeah. Or, I mean, do you think there's just something that separates those two types of people? The ones who overcome the fear of starting and the ones who don't. I don't know. I mean, you know, someone asked me like what motivates me and I don't have a good answer. I'm just motivated. Mm-hmm. Like I just, and it's not, I don't even think it's motivation. I just go do the things I want to do. Yeah. Uh, and I try to make them not as, I think what most people do is they, they think six months or they make them such big things mm-hmm. that they don't even get started. And so it's like how to break those things down to smaller things that you can build momentum around. That's why whenever I talk to someone who's starting a business and is struggling, I say, well, here's what I want you to do. You have 24 hours, go make $30. I don't care how you make thirty dollars. Mm-hmm. Go do it in twenty four hours, or if that's too much, I'll even say just make a dollar. And I always I joke call not even jokingly I call it velocity to one dollar. And I'll tell you that I've had you know enough businesses that have worked and enough that have failed that once you start once you make your first dollar, you're just like holy shit, people like what I'm doing. Let me go make a second dollar. Um, and I, and I think when I'm, as I'm hiring now and what I'm really noticing a lot of that comes back to is just attitude. And there's people who blame others and there's people who blame their bosses and all these other things. And there's other people who are just like, you know, I'm going to make this work and I'm going to have a good attitude about it. And that's kind of what I'm seeing as a, as a key success attribute is that their attitude is like, hey, I will keep going until it succeeds versus, you know, blaming others, making excuses, mm-hmm. consuming information, like listening to a podcast, like waiting for some answer to magically come, which will never come. And they're just playing around. And so a friend of mine told me recently, and I thought this was kind of interesting, was like he was saying that the most successful salesperson at a company was the most insecure person. And uh, I think that, you know, that's interesting where it's like if you're insecure, you're, you know, you have something to prove. Mm-hmm. I think there's some truth to that. I think for myself and what, what I think people will do well in is just more of like enjoy the work you're doing and f- try to figure out what work you really want to be working on. Right. Right. Cause I've never really, every time I've said no, go, oh man, that's an opportunity. Everyone's making money uh, doing real estate or look at this blog post, how they sold an ebook. I should sell an ebook and it'll work and make millions for me. Every time I've tried to do that kind of stuff, I've always made the least amount of money and I've been the most unhappy. But every time I'm like, man, it'd just be cool if there was a conference yeah. or it'd be cool if I could, I could just email out products and then people would buy them and they were like really cool f- products and it was funny. Okay. Let me just see if that works. And I'm like, holy shit, we're making seven figures. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think people need to kind of come back to doing the things they want to see exist in the world versus just doing the opportunity that they've read someone else has done. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Yeah, I, I love that. I love that idea of doing the things that you want to see exist in the world. And it, it kind of goes back to that Neil Gaiman speech about making good art. You know, I, I don't know if you've read that book. I haven't. What's that about? Uh, it's, he gave a graduation speech, and the graduation speech was turned into a book. I don't know what university it was at. And we'll link it up in the show notes for you as you guys listening. But he said, you know, in all his life, uh, anytime he got paid to make art or, or he tried to make something that he got paid for and he didn't get paid for it, he was stuck with something he didn't like. But he said, you know, he said at least if it was something – that uh, I, he didn't get paid for, but he made good art. He still had the art when he was done. Yeah, that, I mean, that's cool. I, you know what's funny? Everyone has a moment, and I think you could probably reflect on this, and I know I can, mm-hmm. where you're just like in your flow, and you're in your zone, and just things are really easy, and it works. And I think a lot of times we kind of for, either forget those moments or we kind of push ourselves to go towards the ones that are more difficult. And I'm like, well, why don't you just make it easy for yourself? Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of people kind of maybe don't take the time to think about. But if they did, they'd be like, yeah, man, everyone always liked it when I sold cookies. Mm-hmm. Or, man, I'm really good at partnerships. Or I'm really good at bringing people together or whatever part it is and then go towards that uh, versus kind of trying things that are more opportunistic. Yeah. Well, and that's that's such an easy thing to get caught in, like you said, because you see, you know, somebody did something and it worked for them. And the, the temptation is, oh, you know what? I'm just going to copy them. And I, I call that the mimicry epidemic. Uh, of the internet because it you know it exists I think in every you know every aspect of the internet somebody wants to be like somebody else yeah I mean I I feel that way too man I mean there's times that and I think we all go through like roller coaster phases where we're jealous Mm -hmm. or we're envious and I think what 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 that really I mean it's obvious but the reflect it's what is that saying about yourself what is lacking yeah or what is it you really want for yourself not about that other person and you know I'm at a point now where I'm like I don't really care what anyone else does Mm-hmm. Right. And not even right. I, that, I don't care what anyone else does. I'm just focusing on the work that I really enjoy with the people I enjoy every day. And so that serves me. I think for most people, what I would encourage them to do if they're not doing that, it was two things. One, take pause out of your day to actually think about what you want. So every Tuesday from 10 to 1130, I just study mm-hmm. like college. Like I go and study just anything. It doesn't even matter. I studied like uh, this dating stuff, even though I'm dating someone. And I was like, I just am curious what he, what he talks about. 
And I think if you think about things, you'll actually, instead of, you'll figure out what's actually essential and what you want to spend your time on in life in all aspects, in personal and relationships and in work. And the second thing is that most people just don't do it. <laughs> There's a great, I think it's like Art Williams. He has this video. It's like, it is Christian. I'm Jewish, but the, the video is, um, the video is just insane. It was just called, yeah, Art Williams, just do it speech. And you start small, but you just got to do it. And in this speech, he literally says, you just do it, and then you 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 do it. And that's what you do. And most people are looking for shortcuts or ways and hacks and life hacks. But when it really comes down to a lot of the things that you really want to get, you just kind of do it and do it and do it. And uh, you know, I'd, I would encourage every single one of the listeners uh, to watch this. I, I couldn't believe how great the speech was. Hmm. We'll definitely link that up in the show notes. So, yeah, I'll send it. One of the other things that you brought up uh, earlier uh, was this emotional roller coaster of you know being an entrepreneur, or being a, a business owner, and I, I actually think that life in general gives us an emotional roller coaster. And I think the lessons that you get from running a business are applicable to every aspect of your life when it comes to this. So I'm really curious. I mean, how do you how do you navigate the emotional roller coaster without losing your mind? I don't. I lose my mind. That's what fucking happens. It sucks. I mean, there's days like yesterday, which was like the third highest day in AppSumo history, Mm -hmm. um, which, you know, honestly, it makes me feel like, oh, yeah, everything I touch is gold. And then I have, you know, a month before, which was like the lowest revenue month we had this year. And I'm like, okay, everyone's getting fired. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, you know, I don't have a secret for anyone out there. There's not a magic thing. I would say that one, knowing that it happens has been really helpful knowing that it's going to have good days and bad days has probably been the most powerful is that if you know, it's going to be there, so it's not as bad when it actually comes. And then secondly, kind of trying to look at macro things instead of micro things. So when some days or some things aren't going as well, looking at them from a higher point of view to be like, all right, well this month's bad, but we're still profitable for the year and we're still doing the work we want to be working on. And so taking kind of a higher level picture uh, has really helped me stay grounded when things aren't as good. Um, you know, like some days on Mondays, I'll wake up and I'm like, today sucks and all this kind of stuff sucks. But I know that there's going to be better days. And I have to remind myself of that. And that's actually what helps me push through and get to better days. Yeah, I, you know, it's funny you say that. I mean, I think that it, it, like we've had probably one of our biggest weeks to date because we're featured on the homepage of iTunes right now. And at the same time, there's other problems that are going on. So it's a series of constant highs and lows is what I'm finding. Yeah, dude, there's a man. I heard a great thing recently. There's a guy named Mike Rashad. Uh, let me see. It's he's a bodybuilder, and on Instagram, I just follow, I follow mostly bodybuilders, rappers, and uh, and some friends. And so he had this thing on it, which was just so good. Um, it was basically like, you know, everyone has bad days. Let me see what it says. I'll just pull it up. But it was like, everyone has bad days. Everyone has shit going on. You're not the only one. So stop being a bitch and just move forward and pick it up. Yeah, it was like um, success is how you define it, but don't blame people. Everyone's struggling too. It's up to you to finally go make that change. And I mean, you never know where you're going to get inspired, but this has just really stuck with me because I was going to complain how I didn't get enough sleep. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I was like, there's a lot of other people who aren't getting enough sleep. They're not complaining about it. You just kind of keep moving forward and push. And, uh, and I think, you know, seeing inspiring things, being around positive people and putting yourself in those places has really helped me. Like I have guys around me where, if we're having a tough day, I talk to them about it and they're like, dude, things are good. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Or I have things like Instagram where I follow positive people where they're like, hey, you're going to face tough times. And like even tiny little messages like that, you know, really make me feel a lot better. Yeah, I mean, I think that's it's, it's actually really interesting you bring up what your inputs are, because I think that, you know, I'm I am of, of the opinion a lot of people consume media that's junk food as, as opposed to media that's soul food. And I think the more that you can get into this habit of, of you know, consuming media that's soul food, kind of the kinds of things you're talking about, I think it has a significant impact on uh, your overall life and the results you get in your life. Dude, I think that's a great point you should probably reiterate. I mean, most people probably don't look at how they're spending their days. Mm-hmm. And they kind of stupidly go back to Twitter or they go back to Facebook. Uh, and then I kind of, even like Hacker News, I stopped reading Hacker News because I always felt negative or worse afterwards. And I think that's true for like your friendships and even the work you do. Um, I had a friend two nights ago who he didn't know his meaning in life. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dude, there's no meaning. Just go have fun. There's really no meaning. If you find a meaning, you fucking put that in a product and you sell it for a million dollars, but <laughs> you're not going to. So you really have to kind of come back. But he started questioning that because he was hanging out with this one guy who kept asking him his meaning in life. Hmm. And I'm like, well, did you feel better before you started doing all this questioning? And I'm not saying you shouldn't do this, but the point was, is that 
when he's hanging around me and my other friends, he's feeling really good about himself. And when he's around these other guys, he doesn't feel good about himself. And so the point is, is like, put yourself intentionally in the places that make you feel better. Right. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's a good way of putting it. Like I have a buddy who goes to the gym all the time. So guess what? I go to the gym all the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, and I'm guessing if I hung out with like, there's a friend of ours who does a lot of cocaine. Yeah. I'm like, that's a illegal, (laughs) you know, I'm like, that's a drug dude. And, uh, so I intentionally, if he's somewhere, I don't try to be there. Uh, I don't want to be around that kind of stuff versus other friends who are like, Hey, let's go drink or go to the gym and that stuff I can support. Right. So I think what you said, yeah, I mean, you should reiterate that because I think that's essential is like noticing the inputs from an information standpoint, a people standpoint and a work standpoint, uh, and then how they affect how you feel. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's really easy to just chase endless amounts of stimuli because if you're not intentional about it, you're going to get whatever just shows up in your world. I mean, I, I had a friend who actually talked about even our entire environment, like physical. And he said, you know, one environment that most people don't consider is their virtual environment. Is the virtual environment something that uplifts you? Is it something that when you see it in your life, is it going to get you to a better outcome? Uh, you know, it's as important apparently as the way your room is sweat up, set up. Like, you know, you're talking about Feng Shui for your Facebook feed more or less. Yeah. I mean the two things I, I can tell you the two things I've done. My friend Neville recommended this. I used the, what's it called? Facebook. Uh, let me pull it up. Hold on. I use Facebook newsfeed eradicator uh-huh. and that is fucking epic. It basically just removes my newsfeed. So every time I go to Facebook, I'm like, well, nothing to do here. Uh, okay, so that, that I'm that I'm going to use, and I'll be linking dude, that. Dude, it's, in it's insane. I'm like, I come to Facebook. I'm like, well, this is shitty. <laughs> so I just go back to work or what other things I actually really want to be doing. I'll um, I'll paste the link for you so that you can uh, you can give it to the rest. This has been essential. Other things that have really helped me. Uh, I do a thing, not as much now, but I look at it in the morning called Gebby, which is uh, G E B Y, which is gratitude, exercise, breakfast, and you. Uh-huh. And basically, it's four attributes that I try to look at at least this poster I have in my place uh, that my buddy, me and Adam Gilbert from my came up with. And it's basically like, what am I grateful for? What exercise I'm going to do today? Uh, what's my breakfast? And what is one thing I'm going to do for myself? Hmm. And I think what, what I really would encourage people to do is like, how do you create routines that set you up to be feeling good or successful? Yeah. And what I mean by that is that the mornings that I think about this or the mornings that I read, I'm like, man, that was a good day. What happened that day that made it really great? And like, oh, it's because I read in the morning and I had a good breakfast, mm-hmm. right? Or look at the things that kind of give you energy or that feel good throughout your day and then make a note of them and figure out how do you set those up in your day. Like if you know that flirting makes you feel good every day, then make sure every day you allocate time in your calendar to go flirt or sleeping or eating well or coffee or I don't give a shit what it is for you, but figure out how do you set up your day so that there's more of those things. And I think the problem that we have, uh, Srini, is that everyone hears this stuff we know it, but then we don't want to do it because it's easier to kind of just keep listening to the podcast than taking a pen and paper or your phone out and actually saying, well, like, what are the three things today that would make me feel really good or three things every day or even just one thing every day that I could do that I knew would make my day good? Like for me, if I can read a book a little bit in the morning, I'm pretty much set for the rest of the day. Hmm. I'm like, all right, that, yeah, pretty much day is good. Uh, and I think everyone should take a pen and paper right now and either do Gebby for themselves or pick one thing every day that they can always do that they know will work. So – like Noah said, press pause, take out a you know notebook and write down that one thing. And if you're in the car, uh, if you want to, pull over. <laughs> pull over. Glenn Beck wants you to do it too. <laughs> uh, really, really interesting stuff. And yeah, I mean, it, it, it's funny because a lot of these things, I'll tell you why I think a lot of people don't want to do these things. And this is my opinion on it is it's all simple, right? And it seems so simple. It's like, well, how could that possibly lead to anything really big? And yet it's just like you said, it's like you're breaking it up into hundreds of little things that ultimately lead to the big thing. And these little things are actually really easy to do. And sometimes I think because they're easy to do, we assume they have no impact. Yeah, man. I mean, there's things are going to be, it's, it's, it's hard because you can look at things in both ways, but I I think I like going to the gym because it's a struggle Mm -hmm. and it's a really good reminder for life that like, this is, it's, it's, it's hard, but I know that there's a benefit for me doing this hard work right now. I know that my body will be better. I know I'll live longer. I know I'll have more energy. And so for me, that's kind of a daily reminder when I go to the gym. I'm like, yeah, this is shitty, but I'm pushing myself to go beyond. And I use that in other parts of my life. Yeah, it's funny. I felt that way about my yoga practice yesterday. I was like, this sucks, but I knew I'd feel like a million bucks when I got out. The other thing I would say that, you know, I've really started doing is every week, every Sunday, I create my like work, workout and personal mm-hmm. and I, and I plan for the week, 
right? And it's really simple. And what I've done this week, which is a little new, is that in trying to focus on what's essential, on each category, I pretty much just pick one thing. What is the one thing in work I really want to get done? What's the one thing in workout I really want to get done? What's the one personal thing that would really make things work? Uh, and I just kind of I share it with a friend. And every Sunday, uh, every Monday, we send it to each other. And we review the previous weeks. And so that's kind of helped me really set up to make sure that each week is successful. And so all this is doing is like, as you said, how do I not fail? Or how do I make sure I keep doing things at work? Like, this has really helped me get to where I am. I'm going to keep doing it every single week. Hmm. Brilliant. Well, let's do this. Let's shift gears a little bit. Um, oh, shit. Sorry to <laughs> that workout guy. Uh, do you mind, you know, kind of talking to us a little bit about your time at Facebook? I mean, because I know you were there so early that most of us can't even imagine that era of Facebook because it was, you know, an era in which Facebook wasn't even really sort of a mainstream part of our culture. I mean, I think what's interesting for me is I was at the New Orleans Saints and Niners game last weekend watching the Niners win, which was which was nice. But it was kind of an insane thing to like look around a stadium and, and I thought to, this is weird, but I thought to myself, I was like, every single person here is on Facebook. Hmm. I don't know why I, that, that came at that moment, but I was like, man, it's pretty cool that I was a part of something that, uh, you know, literally everybody in this crowd is using most, I'd say almost hundred percent if possible. Um, uh, you know, being at the company in the beginning was just really crazy. It was just kind of very chaotic and there's a lot of things going on. It was not very organized and, you know, it's interesting to reflect that to my own companies where in the beginning, you're just kind of trying, shit's working and you just kind of keep doing things and eventually you kind of got to get organized. And I think as Facebook started getting organized, you know, that, that wasn't my strong suit. Even now, you know, it's something I'm still working on. Uh, back in those days, it was, I think, the probably the most interesting thing that I, that I re- realized afterwards was just being around that caliber of talent. Mm. Uh, and the, the people that, that were there, like, helped create Napster and, you know, did all these really impressive things. And you know, I realized like, shit, that's probably where I've learned the most professionally. And uh, I think that's true for a lot of things in life is the more that you are around uh, people that are exceptional, the more, and the more it'll be hard for you, it will be harder for you, but it will be the more, the most that you'll actually grow. Hmm. Right. Cause at that time I was like, man, this sucks. These guys are smart. I feel, you know, insecure, uh, which pushed me a lot, kind of coming back to the earlier story. Right. But that's afterwards, I was like, holy shit, I'm really strong in these things because I was around such great people. And so I think people should like ask themselves in your friend network, as well as in your professional network, like, how good am I? Am I the best guy here? Right. Am I? No, and I, I've actually realized that. I'm like, man, am I, the guys I work with, you know, we're all good and we help each other, but you kind of don't, you, it's like I'm doing the same weight every day with them. And so I've made a real effort now. Uh, as I told you, at my lunch, I went out and met with an investor. Uh, and then when I go places, I say, hey, who's one person that's really good in X? Hmm. Who was the first person that comes to mind in X? And I ask people for that, that I respect. And then I go and meet new people that will help me grow uh, in different areas. And so Facebook, I mean, it was just, it was chaos. It was like a really fun frat house that had a lot of money uh, around exceptionally smart people doing a product that, um, and that comes back to like kind of my, my MO is like doing a product that I just love and I wanted to use every day. Yeah. Kind of like you said, the coolest thing you could be doing at the moment. I was like, okay, I got to like check out chicks and like <laughs> with like really smart guys and make good money and work in Palo Alto. It's like, yeah, why wouldn't I want to do that all day long? Yeah. So let me ask you this. I mean, um, you know, we, we've kind of talked on a very general level about sort of failure, success. I mean, would you be willing to talk about some of the personal challenging experiences you've had throughout this journey? Sort of the the ones, you know, I, I mean, I always feel like every single person on the show has one of those moments that it basically would demolish them, but actually ends up being the catalyst for everything else in their life. And I'm wondering if you'd be willing to go there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm happy to, I mean, I feel like I've had so many, mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like I do that, you know, every uh, two years, so it's something I'm, I'm pretty experienced in. Um, you know, after Facebook, it was like about six months of depression mm-hmm. where I really didn't want to do anything. And I kind of thought that I would have like this, uh, scarlet letter on my chest where no one would want to hire me again. And, I, you know, it's funny when I put that kind of stuff out there and I have a book on Amazon that you can link to about my Facebook experience that, you know, shares a lot more of the details. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I realized, though, is that most people kind of everyone's kind of concerned with themselves and they don't really care about you. <laughs> Everyone, uh, the most important person in the world is, is yourself. And uh, after the Facebook thing, I kind of, you know, I wanted to really prove myself that I am smart and I am capable. And, uh, you know, so I took the time to kind of just not rush into anything until I found something that I was excited to be doing again. Mm-hmm. And so for me, what I was excited to be doing in was like, I found a product mint.com that I was like, this, I think this is the coolest thing possible. I want to be a part of it. And I did whatever it took to, to make that a reality. Um, 
you know, other, and I've, I've had this like two other times in my career after I built Facebook games and I was like, I just don't want to be building games for a living. <laughs> I hate Facebook. I hate the platform game platform. I hate the game players. And, uh, so I kind of had a midlife crisis or quarter life crisis at 25, which is pretty common now. I'm meeting right. a lot of people are going through that. And, uh, I was in Argentina and so I just kind of stopped working. I, I was fortunate that I could stop working. And, uh, you know, I kind of took the time to just really reflect on what things have I done that I've always enjoyed. Hmm. Right. And so same with AppSumo. Um, so I, you know, AppSumo, same exact story about a year and a half ago or two years ago, we were promoting all these really shitty products after we start, you know, we always promoted great products, but kind of like got greedy and we were, um, growing a little too fast. And so we needed shittier products to keep growing. And I got to a point, I'm like, why am I doing this? And, uh, you know, I took time out. I went to India for a month and I walked around, grew a beard, which I guess you're <laughs> supposed to do. Uh, I was single for a while. And, uh, you know, I kind of took time to say like, well, what is it I really want with this business? What do I really want to be doing? And I kind of just came back to that. I came back to what worked, which was just promoting cool things with people I wanted. So we fired a lot of the people. We stopped promoting a lot of the products and we went back to the basics, which I was worked. And, you know, the past two years were more profitable and we've grown, you know, relatively just as well as when we had all those people, not more. Yeah. So, you know, for, for people who are listening, who, who may not be familiar with who you are or, or your story, can you uh, just tell them exactly what the whole Facebook thing was? And we'll link up the books and all of that. I don't think everybody yeah, the, knows exactly think, what happened. <laughs> yeah, the book is called How I Lost 170 Million. Uh, I was a Facebook employee, I don't know, 30 or 50, pretty early. I don't even remember the exact number. I had 0.1% uh, of the company. And yeah, things didn't work out as they grew. I wasn't able to frankly grow with it. And as I have AppSumo, I see that with people we're hiring, that they're not able to grow and we have to let them go. And so, you know, I think I made some bad choices and I wasn't able to mature with the company and I was let go, you know, about nine months uh, into me working there. So let me ask you, you this on, on that note. Um, how, how does an experience like that change your perspective on success and money? The, well, I, you know, I'll tell you once in a while, even recently, you still get jealous. I see guys that were, you know, frankly, 18 year old punks driving Audi R8s now. And it still, you know, it still irks me a little bit. I'm not going to bullshit you. Um, but I think what I have to reflect on is like all the things I got to do because I wasn't stuck in a, you know, some office with all these people, which is what a lot of people had to do for a few years. And then I think the ultimate thing that I did, which was really helpful is, you know, kind of evaluate, you know, what is my success metric? And then what do I really want with that kind of money? Right? Like it's not to say I wouldn't take millions of dollars or hundreds of millions, but you know, what are all the things I want to buy that I can't buy now? Right. And that alone was really beneficial because you start reflecting like, well, I, do I, is there anything I really want to buy that I don't own? And I was like, not really. And I made a list of everything I wanted to buy. I was like, I want an M3 and I want to get, uh, let's say even a drone now. I'm like, well, I could pretty much afford it. I could afford all those things. I could buy a house. I could buy all that stuff. And when you kind of take away that and look at what you really want, you're like, well, I guess I didn't really want that money as much. And in terms of success, I think people are always like, I think people label others as successful but I have never really labeled myself successful. I just have always tried to spend my life and spend my time, most importantly, doing the things I want. Hmm. That's what I'd encourage every people to do. Not worry about if you're measured as success from others, but measured as like, are you spending your time each day doing activities with people or doing the work with people or by yourself that you really want to be doing? And that's how I've kind of looked at it. Like I thought, man, I thought recently, like, man, if I was dead in my tombstone, I'd be pretty happy with my life. Yeah. Like if I didn't have a kid now, I don't even actually would, I don't think I, I don't, I don't really think, man, I, I missed out and I didn't have a kid um, or I didn't get to, you know, do the work I wanted to do. And I think that's kind of how people should be. I, don't, I can't tell everybody what to do. I'm just saying that's what's working for me. And I feel good about uh, what I get to do each day and how I get to live my days. Yeah. I love that idea of a, a success metric and, and really one defining it for yourself because it's, it's really easy to define your success through other people's metrics. I mean, so many people always tell me it, which, you know, you get you get fucked with. Right. Or people look at me like I'm some expert or guru or thing. it's like, I'm just a normal dude that shits and has issues and cries once in a while and gets drunk and hangovers. I think the thing that, you know, I try to encourage people to do is that bad things are going to happen. What really is going to differentiate you is how you learn and grow from when those things happen to you. Um, you know, a month ago I hit a parked car, right? That's fucking retarded. <laughs> Hitting a parked car. You're literally retarded. And, um, you know, and it was a $1,700 fix in my bumper. Uh, and I was like, Noah, this sucked, but it's a good lesson in slowing down sometimes. Mm -hmm. It was that, you know, I was rushing a bit. I put into first instead of reverse and, uh, you know, I can blame the car. I can get mad or, 
but I should, or I should really, you know, think about it and acknowledge like, all right. And even now when I'm driving, I'm, I try to spend a little, like one extra second being like, Hey, are you rushing now? And I try to even think about it in business. Like, am I rushing now? And that's from something shitty happening. Mm -hmm. I think that's where I see a lot of people where when something bad happens, how are you going to take that and make the rest of your life better? Excuse me, moving forward. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And that's the same with the Facebook experience. Like I'd spent a lot of time at Facebook trying to get like my own brand big. And I recognize afterwards, like the more that you can make a product or a service and help other people get big, the more that you'll actually get known. And that was, you know, that was a really good lesson. Awesome. Well, hey, Noah, we're, uh, we're getting close to about an hour. Uh, so I want to wrap with my final question, which is how we close all our interviews here at the unmistakable creative. What do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? What makes someone unmistakable? Like they never make mistakes? No. Uh, I guess unmistakable would be standing out in the world by my definition. What makes somebody stand out, I guess, is really the question. I mean, what makes someone stand out is when they're, it's, it's almost when you're doing something that you're uncomfortable with. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, have you ever notice someone that goes to a, a bar or they go out and, they, and then people give them a lot of attention? Yeah. It's like, wow, why are we giving that person attention? And it's generally because they're doing something a little bit different than everyone else, which is the generic answer. We all know that. We all know this answer. But what I would try encourage everyone to do is that um, I went to Vegas and I wore a onesie. <laughs> the whole day I wore a onesie in Vegas. And I'll tell you, I never got – and I was in this elevator and these guys were like, oh, you're a homo. Oh, man, what a fucking gay outfit. All this. I was like, whoa, whoa, calm down. They're like, dude, you're not going to get any girls. And guess what? These girls came in the elevator. They're like, what's up? Uh, and so I think the thing to do is not to go wear a onesie and get insulted in, in Vegas, but – when you're at that point where you're doing something a little uncomfortable, you're like, I don't know if I should hit send on this. It might be a little too much. I don't know if I should wear this outfit because I might get noticed. Uh, and I think if you want to be unmistakable, it's those moments when you're uncomfortable and you actually go forward with it uh, that people start recognizing you. Awesome. Well, Noah, this has been uh, just fascinating and awesome as I expected it would be. I can't thank you enough for uh, taking the time to uh, join us and share some of your insights with our listeners here at the Unmistakable Creative. I know he mentioned a bunch of stuff, uh, so we will link it all up in the show notes. Come and visit the website to check it out, and we'll wrap the show with that. If you like what you heard, the greatest compliment you could give us is to share the show with a friend and let people know what you think by leaving a review on iTunes. Thanks for listening to the Unmistakable Creative. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolves. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, 
whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.